Broadcasting from a radioactive bunker deep inside the bracket compound, this is Show Spoilers Episode 17, Westworld Season 2, Episode 5, Akani no Mei, which, uh, Brad, uh, do you know what that means? I think it was just her name. Yeah, it's uh, one of the characters that we're introduced to this episode in Shogun World is Akani, and no Mei means dance, so this is Akani's dance. Ah, okay. I was going to say, I should have been less vague there when I said her name, because the show just started. <laughs> but I guess if yeah. anybody listening probably knows uh, what I'm talking about. So Just her name, yes. But uh, <laughs> before we get into that, uh, it will all make sense later on in the episode. But before that, uh, this is Show Spoilers. I am Kevin, and I am joined by my co-host, Brad. Hey, Brad. Hey, Kevin. So housekeeping, of course, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Of course, you can email us at theshowspoilers at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at all the spoilers and of course, facebook.com slash real spoilers and the League of Show Shares. We've mentioned it before. That's where we do all our discussion. So movies, television, pop culture, you name it. Uh, come there and discuss your theories uh, and talk about whatever other TV shows you watch too. So Without further ado, uh, let's just jump right into this thing here. So we've been talking about it. We were hoping that we would see it uh, ever since last season when we saw and found out that there was a Shogun world for sure in this universe. And we saw the Shogun, a uh, couple of them in the in the Mesa. Uh, we were hoping that we would get a look at Shogun world. And uh, this episode, that's what it's all about. So I know you were excited about it. I was. Yeah, I wasn't uh, disappointed either. I think they did a really good job at, at creating this, this world and uh, we'll into some of the details here shortly, but uh, I uh, I really enjoyed it. Good, good. You know, I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot more on my second view. So this week's been crazy for me, and that's neither here nor there. But uh, I had very little sleep on the night before I watched this episode for the first time. So I, you know, I was getting through it, and it's a short episode. It's only something like fifty-two minutes, I think, uh, when you take away the introduction and and other stuff. And so we had over an hour episode last week, and it was such a good episode. Many people calling it the best of the series, if not the season, at least. And, uh, you know, I think that as a follow up, a lot of people were maybe hoping that there would be some kind of a connection between the last episode, but they did like they have been the rest of the season and they've been switching back and forth between the William and Delos stuff and then going back to the Maeve and Dolores storylines. So I think there was some disappointment coming off of such a great episode and then having no connective tissue there. And, uh, you know, we did finally get to see Shogun World, but, um, I don't know. For me, it was just, I think. I think I think it was clever the way they connect the things that we're going to talk about uh, and how they connect Shogun World to Westworld. But then also, since it was a bit of a rehash, as in we're seeing some things that felt very familiar, even as they say in the episode, I think to me, it, it wasn't enough new stuff to like really get me excited about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I was surprised when the show started, when they started with the previews or the, uh, the of what previously on Westworld, because the preview for this week, I don't know if you ever watched the preview, but it showed... I I think explicitly Shogun World. So I thought this episode in my mind was going to be a hundred percent Shogun World, like Maeve and their adventures uh, to discovering this world. So I was kind of surprised that it was flipping back and forth between um, what we saw at the beginning was the present time Mesa and then Teddy and Dolores' story throughout Westworld back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So uh, I feel like maybe I wanted a little more time in Shogun World. I'm sure maybe we get more. We're only halfway through the season, but sure. uh but yeah, the preview led me to believe this was just going to be uh, a 
a Shogun centric episode, but we got, I think it's pretty much 50, 50, 60, 40 at best between Shogun world and Westworld. You know, maybe that's it too. The thing is that I, I've been waiting for Shogun world and I was very excited when we see the, the, uh, Ronin warrior at the end of, uh, two episodes ago with the cliffhanger. So we knew that we were going to get into this world. And then when we got here, it did flip back and forth and we only did get about half Shogun world and it was already a short episode anyway. And then, I would say half the time we were in Shogun World, it was a rehash of the Westworld storylines. And so it it was almost felt like a 25%, you know, like 25% new Shogun. If we had 50 minutes to an hour of pure Shogun World where we could maybe see some more of the areas, like we only saw their Shogun Sweetwater and one other camp. Like if we would have seen maybe some other areas, more of the beautiful costumes and more of the culture and landmarks and things, I think exploring that would have made me feel better. So I think that's probably what it is. Um, I I watched the episode again and I did like it a lot better uh, this time it was the middle of the day i was more awake uh, i knew what to expect so i was able to pay more attention to the little details so uh not a bad episode by any means but they have some pretty tough competition with those first four episodes yeah and that's the, that's the problem you run into with with all these different characters going different directions um, we get such a fantastic episode last season or last season last episode um, which is mainly focused on what man in black and 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 jim and, you know, that was well acclaimed. Everybody liked it. But then in order to tell this story, that one has to take a back seat. And in order to tell that story, this one has to take a back seat. It's, it's you know, remnants of Lost and other shows with with a huge cast that they can only tell one story at a time. So people get attached to certain characters like I like I am with the man in black and William. But only seeing them once every two weeks is kind of you've got four great episodes of the season so far and they're constantly one upping themselves and at some point it's going to be hard to do that where this episode is not bad by any means and it was interesting there's some great character development but coming off of such an exciting episode with the characters that i think you and i are most interested in it's just it's a hard transition and then we didn't even get as much a shogun world as maybe we would have wanted so hopefully in the following weeks maybe we'll get back there and see a little bit more yeah, for sure. I hope so. So, yeah, well, uh, let's let's get right into uh, this episode here. And uh, it starts it starts at the Mesa and uh, we're we're in what we believe is present time. And and we see bodies piled up all the different uh, QA uh, bodies and host bodies that they've been fighting. And, uh, you know, they've they're, they've obviously been doing some cleaning up since a couple episodes ago. And we see the all the hosts in the water. Um, you know, we're finally getting back to here and they, they say they're about 50% done draining the valley and, and getting all the hosts out. And, uh, one of the QA team members is like, do you want just the bodies or do you want all their personal effects? And he says to bring everything. He says, yeah. every strand says everything down to the last Stetson. So he's going to figure, he's trying to get to the bottom of what is causing all this crazy stuff. And also we see that he doesn't want to just scrap these bodies because he says we're going to repro these things or see if we can reprogram these things to play by our rules again. Um, we find out that they still don't have Abernathy, so uh, they've lost him and they're still trying to track him down. Uh, there's two teams looking for him currently, and he says, when you find him, bring him to me personally. Yeah. And so clearly Abernathy has this sensitive data that Delos and, and Strand are, are looking for, and so the question still remains, what is Abernathy? What is this data that he's sneaking out? But it clearly is extremely important to yeah. all the parties here. Do you have any theories as to what it is? Still, I mean, I mean, it, we 
talked last week about it being a consciousness or, or some kind of code that, that we're slowly developing, getting thoughts of what it, you know it could be after seeing the consciousness transfers and stuff of or the the attempts of it rather last week. Yeah, um, I still think it's definitely a consciousness of some sort. I think it's it, I think it's a real person's. I think it's one of those red control units. Yeah, I don't know whose it is yet. Um, I really did. I was really feeling strongly about it being Jim Delos's consciousness, yep. and especially thinking that that's what caused the freak out in Abernathy. Again, I don't know why that was just that's just the best theory. And and with the freak out over that's the right. photo of Jim's daughter, it made me think that way. But did you see the uh, Jimmy Simpson? Uh, uh, answering Westworld theories video. <laughs> no, I saw that it was posted, but I never made the time to watch it today. I was actually really busy today, so. But it, it is uh, one of my saved videos on YouTube to to watch sometimes. So. Yeah, so he actually reads a lot of theories that we've discussed, and a lot of these main theories. And so they kind of titled the video as like Jimmy Simpson reads crazy Westworld theories, and he starts it off with like, you know, maybe these, maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. Like he's he's very ambiguous about it, but. But I, so you you can't really trust what he's saying, and you know he's not going to tell you the answers. Sure, but yeah. someone brings up that exact theory, like my theory on on Abernathy being Jim Delos and freaking out over the photo. I mean, it's my exact theory, and he's like, he's like, oh, that's very interesting. But no, and he throws the card. So it's like, <laughs> or, or he says he's like very interesting, but you're wrong. Like he completely shuts down that theory, and I don't know if that's a joke or if or if or, like, uh, or he's just like that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, because it's one of those things that, like, it's such a mysterious property or, like, question, you know, or, like, the like when the hardcore viewers of the show and fans are watching something like that, they're not only waiting for his, like, response to it, but they're, like, analyzing how he responds to it, you know, <laughs> right? like, you know, so, like, the way that he reacts, well, maybe he's throwing it away quickly, you know, to throw us off, you know, like. I, I, I'm going to have to watch it, but like, that's one of those things where like, how, if you were in his shoes, how would you answer a question that was right? Cause you don't want to give it away, but like, you're going to be impressed at like, wow, they, they, they figured it out, but I can't give that away as just an actor on the show before it even airs. Well, I'll tell you what, like the deal is I've done enough of these press junkets and interviews and, and things like that, where people that you're interviewing like this, especially in a top secretive type show with with twists and turns like this they have handlers and they have people that approve things and so sure. you better bet your ass that he did not answer any of these questions and this video did not go live before the team at westworld saw it and so if they thought that makes sense if they thought for a second that he answered it in a way that would compromise something or or give away too many secrets or you know what i mean they they had a quality yeah. control team they had a qa team working on this video uh so they made it he answered the questions there were probably stuff probably stuff that got cut probably stuff that he had to answer differently so the point is that it's been reviewed so it's not like it's just yeah. this isn't like tom holland out there being you know giving away avengers <laughs> infinity war answers and uh you know and dr strange being like oh sh- shut up kid you know like <laughs> like it's not a live I mean, interview this is definitely- mark ruffalo did it too right yeah he did it's yeah, like yeah. this this isn't a live uh, today show interview this is like a very this is a produced piece uh and these are real theories out there and a lot of stuff we discussed but his reactions almost i don't want to say seem scripted but he doesn't even have to think for 0.01 seconds like his responses are so 
I, I feel like he had his responses ready. And so you don't know if they're real or if they're trying to throw you off the trail. There's just no way to tell. Gotcha. So anyway, check that out, though. It's pretty funny. But as soon as he was reading my basically my exact theory, uh, I was just like, what? And and they read the people with the Twitter handle. So who knows? It could be a listener of this podcast or it could be someone that just came up with it. So I didn't catch what their tag was. But these were all tweets and they had the handles up there. So it'd be pretty cool if your if your tweet got read by uh, Jimmy Simpson. Um, yeah, no kidding. Let's assume it's one of our listeners. Yeah, there good you job, go. Listeners. Yeah, good job. Hooray, <laughs> listeners. So uh, the other thing that we find out in this scene, uh, uh, Strand is is talking to the tech guy, Costa, and and uh, Costa says, we put the fires out, but there's nothing we can recover from the cradle. The host's backups have all been destroyed. And Strand says, so we've effectively lost a third of our IP in a, in a single sweep. I wanted to talk about what that means because – Intellectual property is a vague term. You've got you've got the hosts, their the technology. You've got their bodies. You have their programming. You have their their memories, their past sequences. Their you know like the dreams that they have, which were really past loops that they were being brought back because of reveries. So you have all that kind of programming. Yeah. But then you also have collected data from from the uh, from the guests. And so obviously we know that Delos is very interested in obtaining this data and DNA and whatever else they're collecting. And so when he says we've lost a third of the IP, I don't know exactly what he's referring to. If he, you know, I think you could break it into two categories. Is he talking about the hosts and their programming or is he talking about guest intellectual property they've collected? My idea was that it was data. I think... Uh the way that I took it or the way that I theorized, I guess I don't want to say this is how it happened or, or not, but sure. uh, Ford's uh, like whole, his whole MO we talked about for four episodes now was like his, comp- his creations were at risk. They were trying to push him out of the company. And I feel like uh, we know that young man in black, young William, his, him, him and Jim, their whole goal was collect data and market to these guys, you know, behind the scenes and, and uh, you know, collect data and and make as much money as they possibly can with this with this park. So I think, like when I saw that, there the these things were wiped clean. Like that was Ford saying, like throughout this narrative, that like your date you can have your these hosts, my creations, but you're not getting the, <laughs> that that data that that was stored from years and years and years of 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 using these. Nice. I you know who knows at at this point. I like it. I like it. And so what 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 Costa also tells him is it's not it's not just that these are that these hosts have been wiped, but he says that they actually the control units are virgin control units. So meaning they've never held any data. Yeah. So the question is where are the old control units? Are they are they doing something as crazy as swapping control units between hosts or putting them into other empty shells or hosts that they're creating? Or are they just destroying them and creating and, and they put blank ones in there? You know, I, we don't know the answer to it, but it no. could be several different things. Yeah. Uh, so the the last important piece of this puzzle here and something that, again, was very interesting, the way they filmed it and the way they kept cutting back and forth, they would go between Strand and Costa and then Bernard or Bernarnold is behind one of the glass windows kind of looking confused as he has since he's since we've seen that character awaken on the beach. He's very confused. He doesn't really say anything. He's looking around. So we still don't know what's up with him. But Strand says... 
well, that's quite a story you gave them and one hell of an ending. How did all these disparate threads come together to create this nightmare? If we figure that out, we'll know how the story turns. And so I think the easiest explanation is that he's talking to Ford, you know, not directly, but he's saying, oh, wow, Ford, you've given these guys a crazy story and we need to figure out where this story goes. But also they keep cutting back and forth to Bernard, which makes me wonder, are they... Are they trying to fool you by making you think it's Ford or do they know something about Bernard and whose consciousness he's carrying? Is he trying to say, oh, remember in that, you know, back in the first episode, Bernard says, I, I killed them all, you know, and yeah. and are we led to believe that sometime in this 11 days, something has happened to Bernard where he either gets a new consciousness or or it is the Arnold consciousness, which is a tinfoil, tinfoil theory from last week. And is he talking to Arnold saying you've you've given them the story because it was just weird how they kept cutting back and forth. Did you feel yeah. that was a strange like shot back and forth at, at Bernard? Yep. Yeah, that and the fact the way that he was looking over Teddy and everything as well. But we we've theorized already from either last week or the week before uh, when when Bernard uh, it had to be the week before, I think, where he uh, he met Peter Abernathy and, and we thought maybe he took what what Abernathy had, you know, and nobody knows it but him at this at this point because they're still looking for Abernathy. But maybe that information is already uploaded into in Bernard. See, that's. Yep, you're right. We did. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And as soon as Bernard hooked up into Abernathy and said, oh, my God, and he saw something, something, but he he connected to him. And then all of a sudden, his hands started shaking. He was acting very differently and he was falling and stumbling over himself. And my thought was maybe you're you're supposed to think or, you know, of course, there's all these red herrings and, and fake outs. You're supposed to think, oh, it's because of the cortical fluid. He's still not stable or whatever. But is it, oh, wow, he's had this crazy, whatever this data is, this huge data upload, which they say is is a gigantic file and all this crazy encryption. Is is he now carrying whatever consciousness which was in Abernathy, meaning is it a full human type consciousness of Delos? Is it, you know, William, which we've speculated? Is it uh, is it Ford? Is it Arnold? So if our theory is correct, and I know we've thrown a ton out there, but one of my <laughs> theories was what if what if Abernathy is carrying Arnold's consciousness? What if the little red uh, control unit that we saw Bernard, I believe it is Bernard that we think was being controlled by Ford in that flashback. What if that consciousness was Arnold's consciousness? And what if it was being carried by Abernathy? And when Bernard hooked up, he actually downloaded Arnold's consciousness, the real Arnold, as opposed to the uh, programmed Bernard that Ford created. And uh, and what if this is now Arnold that we're seeing and not Bernard? I, I think there's a really good chance of it. And then uh, Strand may be saying that that whatever happens in this 11 days that this Bernard slash Arnold has created, maybe he's the one that's done this story or, or, or you know, led all these hosts to die because I'm seeing the evidence. I'm seeing all the dead hosts. They're trying yep. to recover them. I'm seeing Bernard acting differently than we've seen him that whole host upload thing, the flashbacks to the red control unit. And then we see cameras cutting to Bernard standing there looking confused. And so I feel like it's one of those things where the, where it's right there in front of you. They're, they're not explicitly saying it, but it's like all the puzzle pieces are there much like a movie, like the prestige where it's, it's all there right in front of you. And when we go back and watch this later, if that is correct, it's like, wow, it's all right there. Yeah. That's what it's what, this is one of those shows where like, even after uh, talking with, with Jason tonight, was uh 
like I, I feel like I need to go back and watch the first season again, just just like right now, just to like catch up on some details that I might have missed and or that might make more sense now that I, we're this far in season two. And and I'm I'm serious when it comes to the season two finale, whether you want to do it <laughs> or not. I think I'm going to binge the whole second season before watching the tenth one again, just to to pick up on things and or maybe maybe just watch season ten or season ten episode ten. And and then decide to watch everything over again, and because knowing how it ends, and see if I can pick up on things because there's so much, there's so much that they do that you don't know what it means yet. And then after seeing it all play out, then you can go back and be like, oh, okay, yeah, absolutely. Same thing with season one. It was great rewatching it and going, oh, I know what I know where that's leading to. You know, nine <laughs> yeah. episodes later, absolutely. That's the last time we see uh, Strand and Bernard and, and the Mesa in this episode. So uh, you know, they set it up with him in the beginning, which, like you mentioned, I didn't expect we were going to get that at all. And then yeah. instead of keep flashing back to him, I mean, that was really it. So they were just kind of giving us a little update, like, yeah, remember the these guys they're trying to clean stuff up but uh we're gonna move on now and so we go to shogun world and uh it's it's right where that cliffhanger a couple episodes ago left us off with with mave standing there and she's about to be attacked by this ronin warrior and really cool scene here where it, it kind of slows down and you've seen this in action movies before oh, yeah. but it's like she's you see it like with the flash when he's you know can move super fast and he's able to dodge things and uh it, i thought it was a really neat looking scene but uh mave Maeve uh, dodges his attacks, but then she tries to do her her uh, Jedi mind trick on him, and it doesn't work. Like for a second, she's like, you know, hey, I've got this, and she says, put your weapons down and all that. And then the the Ronin warrior ends up gagging <laughs> her. He starts taking and putting his sword down like it works, and she looks, yeah. you know, all uh, excited, like, okay, like I'm still in control here. <laughs> and yeah. then as he's putting his sword away because he analyzes that she's not really a threat. Or maybe he does because the fact that like her saying, you know, to put the sword down, like he, maybe he felt something w- between the code between the two, because we'll see some connections like that later. But <laughs> instead of like, actually, we find out he's not listening to her. He's just he's just putting a sword away and then telling his henchmen to gag this one. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, could be trouble. <laughs> it was a funny moment, especially because Lee is there. And I will tell you what, this is probably my favorite Lee Sizemore episode yeah, of the entire sure. series. They gave I'm him such, yeah, they gave him such good writing. And we've talked about this entire season, how he's really starting to go on this redemption arc. You feel sorry for the guy. He's a relatable character because he's a human stuck amongst all this chaos, but his lines have been hilarious. in this episode, <laughs> He has all the best lines. It's fantastic. Yeah. Every, every uh, scenario where he, cause he's the creator of, of these narratives basically, or, or, or the, the original narrative, not the one they're running now or allegedly running now with, with Ford in control, but the, you know, the common Westworld stuff or some of the stories there. And we saw him building a new narrative at the end of last season or the middle of last season. But like, as these little things start to happen, he's like, that's not supposed to happen. What, why are these people showing up? This never happens in this story. And, you know, he, he's really good pl- uh, plot device for like exposition as to, to get us ready for Shogun world, like who these people are and, and what Shogun world is, you know, because if it, we were, if we didn't have him there, it's just Westworld characters in this new land. We don't know anything about it, but he, he was a good segue into saying, well, Shogun world is for, you know, people who find Westworld too tame. Yeah. You know, and, and basing it on this this era of Japanese culture, and he's and, walking uh, exposition, but it's yeah, it's smart. but it's good. It's. it's- He's the writer of the stories, so it works. Whereas if it was just someone else, like uh, you know, the the 
the worst thing I hate, I mean, exposition, obviously, especially in complicated situations, it's necessary, but I like the organic delivery. Sometimes right. exactly. they sit there and they're like almost winking at the camera and they're like, oh, and that is because of the blah, blah, blah. Like it's so, <laughs> it's so, it's so stiff. But in this situation, it's like the only reason that Maeve brought Lee along is because he knows Westworld and he knows these narratives. And so this yep. is his job. The only reason he is alive and with them is to tell them things that they need to know. So it's a very smart device that they've given us. Yeah. He does still push a little boundaries though. When he calls them literal sex spots in front of me, I was like, Maeve, I was like, Oh no, <laughs> don't push her too far, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he knows that she needs him, but still like, I would not mess with her too much. I, I yeah. totally agree. So, so he ends up saying that you spoke the wrong language. He figures out that the same thing that's going on in Westworld is definitely going on here. And the reason that, her commands didn't work is because usually they all have this built-in code where where obviously if they have guests that come from a different country and speak a different language they would switch to their language to interact with them and these ones did not and and he tells her that you know you because you spoke english that's why the commands didn't work and uh la- we later find out that that uh all the hosts have this buried somewhere in their code which i thought was really cool and i didn't think about it until now but uh, or, you know, until I saw this episode, but it does make perfect sense because you have this is this is a theme park that if you think that people travel from all over the world to go to Disney World, this is I mean, this is an experience like no other. Of course, people are going to come from all over to speak different languages and and they're not going to know English, but they still want to experience this. And yeah. so these hosts have to be programmed with basically every language possibility. Yeah, I didn't take it that way, but that's perfect sense, and that's exactly what it meant. I'm glad you explained it that way, because my, my thought was when when she spoke English, or when Lee spoke English to them, him being a creator, that they should have, like, uh, not shut down, but became, became uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? In diagnostic mode, you mean? Like- yeah, you know, something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I can't think of the word I want. I wanted to, but no longer like uh, hostile. You know, because he was a creator, so whatever no. he spoke. Okay, you no, know, I, I can see that, but no, it's it's really what he's saying is it's like as soon as sure. anyone speaks English to a Japanese shogun host, they should start speaking English. But if someone is right. in Japan and they speak Japanese to them, then they carry on. So it, it's really that cool insight sense. that we got, and because Hector is like it's like he doesn't he's like how do you you know how do you know how to speak to these and lee says oh well she's a madam she talks to everybody but then lee says you all have it buried somewhere in your code so i i really like that inside and it made perfect sense um but so we find out that's why Maeve's commands didn't work and and now she knows that she needs to speak to them later on in uh in in japanese so a lot of this episode is subtitled i would say almost all the shogun world stuff is subtitled which is cool but uh (laughs) later on when it comes when it comes into play that she can't give them commands even in Japanese it was such a crazy reveal where uh, <laughs> you know we're not quite there yet but I was like oh wow that is yeah. crazy so um, excited to talk about that too but once they're all captured here we finally get into the main village and so of course this is the first time we're seeing this village but we start to see some things and hear some things that are awfully familiar and we yep. end up getting a painted black cover which Yes, if that sounds familiar, <laughs> in season one, you got the first big heist that Hector and Armistice and all the people were trying to to uh, take on at the uh, saloon uh, or Maeve's brothel when they were trying to get the safe. You had that yep. great painted black piano cover. And so as soon as it started playing, at first I'm like, 
oh, well, that's cheap. We already, well, I'm like, we already got a paint it black cover. Like, why would you be reusing it? All these songs have been so original and so clever. And then I saw what they were doing. I saw the, I, I saw them like, instead of uncovering the shotgun or the rifle in the, the knapsack, whatever that is, they uncover a bow and arrows and, yeah. and the way they get the rope out and bring it into the saloon with that music playing they were so smart the way that they drew these parallels with not only that music that you could pick up on, but also the same shots, the same angles. Uh, but in this Shogun world, I thought, oh, that's so cool. We basically find out that that Shogun world has very similar narratives, if not the exact same narratives, just translated the exact same. Yeah. Translated into Japanese. So like, and, and, and Lee gives the perfect explanation. Like, like they're basically like, Oh, you just copied all this crap. And Lee and Lee says, I may have cribbed a little bit from Westworld. Well, you try writing 300 stories in three weeks. (laughs) And it's like, crap that, I mean, I totally get that. It's like, he's, he's got to write all these narratives and it's like, you know, what does it hurt? Like just, just translate them and and have them do the same kind of thing, put some tweaks in it. Like it it was, it was interesting to find out that going between the worlds, you still are going to find similar things like that. And, uh, and then we find out that everyone has kind of a, a doppelganger or a doppelbot as they're referred to. (laughs) Uh, We see the, uh, we see that, you know, Maeve has, has the madam, which, uh, which the, the one that the episode is named after the Akane, she's, she's the madam in this world. Uh, we, we end up seeing the armistice, uh, which instead of the snake on the face, this armistice dragon dragon. Yep. Uh, we, we see that there's the Hector character who is the, ronin warrior um it's it's really cool it was it was neat to see it again it was a little disappointing that in this short episode that we had to bounce back and forth between two storylines and the stuff we saw some of it felt like a retread again it was clever the way they did it but i wish that we were able to spend more time here um if we had more time i think with with some different stuff i would have felt better but but i do agree that it was very clever the way they pulled this off and and uh again the music it's it's so good so good uh, yeah my friend texted me i i watched it a couple hours late sunday night and yeah uh, a friend of mine texted me he's a listener of the show now too uh, he's like he he said when paint it back black plays on westworld you know stuff's about to go down and i was like oh paint it black they're they're playing that again why are they going back to sweetwater what's going on yeah. and and then as soon as you hear that opening beat of it, when they're when they're coming in, just just like you said, they got they have uh, I don't want to say hostages, but they got people wrapped up. They got the the, the kids are putting the bug on on some guy's head. Yeah. They, they did that Sweetwater and just all these beat by beat, just like Sweetwater and the safe coming down from the first floor or the second floor. And yeah. It's just fantastic. Even- I, I liked it a lot. Like I, I get why people think it, why you would think it was a retread, um, given that you know. I was coming in this episode thinking it was going to be a full Shogun World episode, but uh, but yeah, that that whole sequence, well, I, I I really loved it. Yeah, it was very clever, and even, all the way down to when when uh, like Hector is trying to pull the safe and and Maeve's talking to him and you know saying why well, you got to rob this place of all the places and and then he picks her up and moves her out of the way. Same yeah. exact thing <laughs> where the Ronin moves uh, Akane out of the way and the safe falls next to her like. It is it is so good, so clever, uh, but with all the little twists, all the Shogun World twists. So very cool here. Um, One thing that did bother me, yeah. uh, and it's it's just a nitpick, you know, because I'm not a professional archer by any means whatsoever. But oh, you're not. And, I, um, I, weren't you, I thought you were in the Olympics <laughs> this last. No, time no, 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 no. Well, that wasn't. No, you? not this year. Oh, okay. No, it wasn't me. But uh, 
I, I, I don't know if I was starting to attribute it to maybe it was the culture. Maybe it was just the style of the bow and the way that maybe they shot it during the Shogun time. But uh, did you think that the way I, I watched it several, I rewound it several times. I was like the way that the, I don't, I never got her name. So I just called her dragon lady or <laughs> she, I thought she looked like uh, Elizabeth Olsen in, in some shots as well. Hmm. But the way she shot her bow, it, it, it was, it was driving me nuts. Cause I was, it looked like she was just doing a little flick and huh. I, I don't know. Um, it probably wasn't worth bringing up, but because I said it's just a little nitpick, but but it, it was like driving me nuts the whole time. I was like, is she really shooting that, or is I don't know. I'll, I'll let it go. I yeah, I got a little tangent there. We're, we're gonna get uh, Brad some counseling, and we, <laughs> we guarantee that by the next episode, it'll be all better, at least with this issue. Uh, no, I I did not notice that. I'm sorry to say, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I d- was not even thinking about that i'm sorry and i i I could be wrong anyway but but yeah when i was watching it over and over i'm like i don't think she's shooting that right and it kind of took me out of the moment for a minute but then i just wanted to be like let's just attribute it to the to how that particular bow was shot or or maybe it's some kind of ninja method or something i don't well for all our professional archers out there please write in (laughs) and let us know uh this very pressing matter uh for brad we want brad to be able to sleep uh, at least a couple nights from now so uh let us know but uh so yeah we 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 realize you know we've got all these doppelbots and and the situation is very similar and uh mave ends up saying that i think we have something like i think we've we have a lot in common and and uh they agree and we move on and we're finally getting back to Sweetwater. It's been a long time since we've seen Sweetwater and Dolores and Teddy are riding into town. A long time since we've seen a player piano as well. I know. And this player piano has seen better days. It can, Oh yeah. I I thought it was really cool. Uh, You know, it really just shows you the shape that the town is in because it's been several days now since the massacre bodies are strewn all about the town. And then this player piano starts off playing. It sounds okay, but then it starts slowing down. It's blood stained and it seems like it's about to rip. And and it's obviously been, is the player piano uh, a Sweetwater only thing? Cause it was a, it was a, prominent feature in the first season and i was thinking about before this episode aired uh, about how there's not a lot of player piano this season and i thought maybe it was representative of the fact that you know the player piano plays something it that it knows to play like it has uh, it has a sequence or a a ribbon or whatever of of music to play and i thought maybe it represented the fact that these that these hosts are doing their own thing now. And that's why we haven't been seeing it. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. I think that's a great metaphor for what's going on uh, that, that, you know, the player piano for people that don't know what a play, player piano is, it's a piano that has a roll of paper that has holes in it. And whenever these holes go over uh, the different uh, modules on the player piano, it tells it what note to play. And so it actually goes over these holes and then the, the, piano keys actually press down so some of the scenes especially in season one you might see the pianos look like they're playing themselves that's because they ran off of these rules and these things have been around for over a hundred years uh it's crazy to think about that that a hundred years ago a piano could play itself but they did it's really neat um don't you have one now too uh, i do actually and i um (laughs) the only reason brad knows that is because it weighs about 800 pounds and brad helped me move it. i had to help you move it yeah (laughs) i do i have like a 1915 player piano so mine is around 100 years old so that's really cool uh, it's a really neat technology but you're right i I think that the player piano that we know exists in uh mave's saloon and so we don't see it 
other than there, I don't believe in the first season. There's there are other pianos, but like in Ford's office, he has a host playing the piano. There are lots of pianos elsewhere, but the player one I think was was a, a sign that we were going to Sweetwater. Uh, usually, it was yeah. looking at the town, and you would see the player piano in the saloon playing, and it would it would signal the start of a new day. And so we've been away from Sweetwater, but when we come back, this Sweetwater, like I said, was in disarray, uh, and this player piano is is basically just been going around this loop, and and you can tell this roll is getting worn out, and there's been blood stains that are on it, and it's about to just break down. But I think that is a really good point that back to how they work, the player piano plays itself, but but it can't do it without this programming, so to speak, the way that this music is programmed. And by the player piano kind of breaking down and the programming leaving, I think that is maybe a good metaphor for what's happening, where it's like these these hosts are not on this quote unquote programming anymore. They're doing their own thing. And so. I think that yeah. uh, the writers are clever enough to kind of work something like that in. But either way, uh, Sweetwater has seen better days for certain bodies everywhere. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and, and Teddy says to Dolores, hell of a homecoming. And Dolores says to him again, like she's mentioned to him before, Sweetwater was never home to begin with, Teddy. You and I were born long before this place even existed. And, and Teddy says, but it's the place I return to again and again. So Dolores, of course, is is more awake than Teddy is. Again, I don't think she's completely awake. I think Maeve is the only host that is truly conscious or awake. Uh, but she, but she thinks she is at least. And, and her programming is, is either, either she is, or she's being led to believe she is by Ford in this new narrative. But uh, Teddy is still very much so trying to understand this new world where, where he can make decisions uh, or, or at least go along with what Dolores says and try to find his own way. And uh, he's still very innocent, very naive, if you will. And, uh, you know, but but he tells her, this is the place I know of home. Like, if, if this isn't my home, I don't know what is. This is the closest thing I have. And uh, we find out here that Dolores wants to fix up the train, the train that travels from the Mesa into town, like we saw in the first season. And she wants to use it to, but to go in reverse, she wants to, to go to the Mesa. And uh, she knows that these people have taken her father and she wants to go get him back. And so she says, strip it for speed. We want this thing to, to, you know, run as well as it can. And, uh, and, and so they are going to go to the Mesa soon. And I think this is going to be very exciting um, when, when all this comes to a head and you have Dolores and her army and QA facing off against each other, it will be really interesting to see where they end up. But, uh, for now, they're still in the very early stages of preparing this. Um, they uh, they go into the saloon, though, and this is a very, very heartbreaking mm. scene. Just yes. the only way to put it, where where Clementine is there, and, and we know that she's kind of a zombie. She's, she's had the lobotomy when she was retired, and so obviously she isn't func- functioning properly, but there's still part of her in there somewhere. And we see the new Clementine from last season. We see her and she's doing the same old thing that Clementine always does. You're new here. Not much of a Ryan on you, that whole thing. And, and, and it's just the heartbreaking part is you watching Clementine mouth all the words. She's it's still there. And yeah, it's coming back to her. There in her, her, trance you know which she hasn't done much this season but drag bodies around and not say a word but right. then seeing her mouthing her her former dialogue from her everyday life you know it, it was i mean and 
her everyday life, you know, was, was sad anyway, the, the, or I, I don't want to say that, but, uh, you know, over and over again, she's doing the same things over and over again. And then, sure. and then now like her life now for what it is, is just, you know, like you said, she's had a lobotomy. She hasn't done a whole lot more than, than be kind of like the muscle now, but then seeing her stand there mouthing what she used to do every day. And I think yeah, she's was- also starting to realize it too. Like she doesn't necessarily know what's going on. She's just been ordered around, but this is probably obviously, you know, coming as to a surprise, you know, as a surprise to her because she's, she remembers this and she's probably starting to, to even picture her old memories. And she's like, that's me, you know, that's supposed to be me. And I, I think she's having yeah. a little bit of, again, I don't want to say a breakdown, but, but when these hosts kind of realize that something is up with, with this narrative and that they are being programmed, I mean, it, it does kind of throw them off their, their track here. And so really just fantastic performance here. I mean, um, Clementine has always been great. And, uh, uh, Angela Serafin, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce her last name. Uh, I, I think it's like Seraph. Finn, uh, but she is she's awesome and this scene really all she had to do was was she didn't even say anything but just mouthing those words and her facial expressions mm-hmm. you could you could see the emotion but uh before it gets to her too much dolores sees this and she puts an end to it she says you know go with the others uh and so she breaks that up but uh yeah and, and you know in, in the new clementine it's like she doesn't know what's going on it's not her fault but uh yeah. the, she, then she's left to wander around she's she's like just wandering around this empty saloon everyone's dead the hosts are dead the the other you know workers there dead like she's still going around reciting her lines but it's to like yeah. this empty i was about to ask you if you knew who she was like the first time i watched it because this is one this is the first episode of the season i watched twice actually yeah believe it or not but uh yeah i was wondering like who is she even talking because she's acting like she's talking to mave i think if i remember her dialogue correctly like she was just kind of having like a little a little conversation with mave and and uh mave of course wasn't there and then yeah between that so you have to think about the fact that she's standing there alone talking to herself, reciting her lines, that dealer or the the poker dealer, or blackjack, whatever they were yeah. playing is sitting there going through the motions, but nobody's sitting at the table. And it, it was just, just a heartbreak in, especially with the Clementine part, but yeah. it was just like a, a, a dour scene, you know, it There's, is. Cause everyone's see the, the thing is, as we know is that not all hosts are awake yet. And so Dolores, obviously with the whole violent delights have violent ends thing, she's been trying to wake up the hosts and, and uh, this new narrative has sent them off on this crazy loop and mission that we don't even know completely what it's all about yet. But we know that a lot of them are still doing their thing. Like we've seen the stable boy in the first episode going around and he's just tending horses and he's innocent. He's not trying to kill anyone. We've seen other hosts that are just, like going about their business the bartender think about the bartender that serves lawrence and and uh, man in black like he's still working the bar there pouring drinks like he could leave if it or you know he could grab a gun and go crazy but but he's not awakened yet and so these hosts obviously like even though the whole town is dead and it's like you know you've got the dealer and and new clementine and there's really no one to interact with but they're still going through the motions like their their loop and their programming is still intact and it is sad to watch because it's it's like they don't know what else to do nor probably can they it's like they're still just like yeah this is my job i have to do this because a a guest may come around any moment i better be acting the part and uh yeah it's just it's a weird situation to see certainly but uh back over at shogun world so uh we see uh 
you know, Maeve wants to talk to whoever's in charge or she wants to figure out what's going on and how they can work together. Uh, and, you know, and she, she wants to talk to somebody, but she does she didn't realize she would have to sit through this ritual that they have going on there. So, uh, you know, they're sitting here watching this show with music and dances and all these, these customs, which are really, you know, neat to see, neat outfits and all that. But yep. uh, she has this little side conversation with Lee and she she basically says, like, I can't believe you plagiarized all this all this stuff. And and Lee says it's not plagiarism. It's supply and demand. But if you're asking me, can you trust Akane? The real question is, can you trust yourself? And so, you know, she's looking at this other character where where she knows that these are, quote unquote, copies or, or these are plagiarized quote unquote stories from Westworld, but since they are the same characters that have programmed her crew, it's like, yeah, these are mirror images. So it's it's not so much, you know, yeah, looking would you trust yourself in this situation? That's what you have to ask yourself. And yeah. uh, it's the same for their version of Hector and their version of Armistice. So again, lots of parallels with these Doppelbots. Um but uh, they, uh, you know, Hector is very on edge and, and, and Lee says that that obviously can mess with someone, you know, who knows what that would do. And, and so he's kind of freaked out by this Ronin warrior. And then it's really funny. You go over to Armistice uh, and then the dragon tattooed Doppelbot of hers. And they're just like, they're like face to face, almost touching, like just like looking at each other. Yeah. It's, it's really funny. Just like everyone's all just like kind of everyone around Maeve that's a host is kind of just like flipped out and she's <laughs> like oh my god we gotta it's interesting because they're they're physically different right but like you know Hector doesn't trust the uh, the Ronin who we later uh, I forget what his name because Musashi um, and I would think that it's probably the, the, the same the feelings mutual but like their composure and everything is different because of the different cultures sure but like I think like from the way they look at each other we see it with Maeve and Akane and we see it with uh, Armistice and and the dragon the dragon lady mm-hmm. um, and and any other and Hector and, and Musashi but like I feel like they see each other and they instantly know that like this is you know, this is me. me. Right. You know, I, and, exactly. Yeah. They, they know it's the programming. It's the way their mannerisms, it's probably the things they say. I mean, remember, even though it's translated to a different language, we see, we've seen them act the same way, like, like the Hector and armistice uh, robbery uh, with, with the same actions and lines. And, and later on, we're going to see it again, but it's like, these people are programmed with the same script that, that Lee has created and it's just translated for the other world. So I think that's what freaks them out is that it's almost like looking in a mirror although it's not yeah it's not the exactly. same hair and face and skin color but still like they're mirror reflections where it's like they move the same way they can pick up on that yep so very interesting to watch that all go down but uh finally uh they uh the the sh- um Enter Shogun Pimp is uh, <laughs> is. Pre- I didn't know what to call him. <laughs> I'm talking about the guy in in the robe. That, you know. I mean, it's. <laughs> they did kind of accurate. Know. He wants to he wants to basically buy a prostitute. So I, I yeah. guess that's correct. But. <laughs> <laughs> that just caught me off guard. I, I had to tell the listeners the fine note taking here by Brad. So uh, this this uh, messenger uh, you might want to call him uh, walks in and he basically demands Probably more appropriate. <laughs> he demands uh, Sakura, which is this young uh, Japanese woman that we see, and uh, she, she's basically the the Japanese Clementine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so. Uh, 
Akane doesn't want to give her up and, and she's like, well, you know, she's a very, very special and very expensive. And this guy is, is like, yeah, I don't think you understand. I don't want to, I, I'm trying to find some more of a permanent solution, something like that. And so he's basically saying that we want to buy her and, you know, do whatever with her. And, and she's not having any of that. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's no way that they're going to let this happen. And, and uh, she ends up killing this guy. And so, you know, Lee, Lee, funny. Yeah. Lee thinks he knows what's going on because he says, Oh yeah, this is the army of blood narrative. And, and he's going to, you know, he's uh, Akane is going to have to give her up. And, and this is just how it goes down. But then, she stabs this this uh, shogun pimp in the eye, and uh, and and it just fl- freaks him out. And then uh, and that's he says, not supposed to happen. Yeah, and and Maeve says, "Looks like someone had a choice after all." So we see here that you know, even though Lee has somewhat of a grasp of what's going on because of the programming, these bots are off loop, so they still yeah. are going to do things that aren't aren't as a part of their programming. I mean, they, they may not be conscious, but they still are, are doing things off, off script. So yeah, uh, it's gotta be quite terrifying for Lee as, as the writer of these, or, or, you know, part writer of these, of these narratives and being in this, in this world that, that we're new to as viewers as well. um, If you put yourself in Lee's shoes, he's like, okay, I know how this world, this world works out. I know where we have to go to get out of here. And like, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. And then seeing like nothing that you expect happen. Yeah. Um, as we'll talk about in the next couple scenes, like you're, it's got to be terrifying. It's like, okay, like this is not how it was written. These guys are doing their own thing, and we're in this world with swords and blood, and like we're in a lot of danger. Well, that's the other thing that I want to talk about is you mentioned it earlier, but Lee tells us that Shogun World is was created for people that think Westworld is too tame. And yeah. you have to think about the logistics here. So in Westworld, of course, and we've talked about this, you know, quite a bit, but with with guns, it makes sense that you could have something happen to where if it if it doesn't detect something in a host or if it does detect something with a guest, maybe there's not as much gunpowder, the bullet doesn't uh, travel as fast, so the impact is a lot lower. Whatever the technology is, they don't explain it, but it makes sense with something like a gun and a bullet. They they can they can make it function differently. How now, about a samurai sword? Yeah, I mean, you have to think <laughs> that when you go to Shogun World, you have to sign. Like, I know there's waivers and paperwork with Westworld, but they have to sign a more elaborate contract or waiver here. Because can you imagine some like drunken idiot businessman in Shogun World? Like, ah, I'm going to fight this samurai, and then he he misses and instead of the swords hitting each other like some cool sword play he gets sliced in half i mean it's there's no way when you have a sharp samurai sword if that sword is capable of hitting other people and objects and 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 killing people like capable of cutting a host in half what's stopping it from cutting a a guest in half exactly and what's what's to stop a host or i'm sorry a guest from uh killing another guest uh we've talked yeah. about you know again the same way with the guns you can you can choose to fire differently based on if it's pointed at a host or a guest but when a guest is swinging a sword around what about two people that are fighting in some cool like you know you know Jet Li style or like uh, you know Bruce Lee style, like a big circle of shoguns are surrounding them, and they're like back to back, looking like some badass samurai warriors, and they're swinging their swords around. And oh, oops, I just cut my other uh, guest 
buddy's head off like the the logistics of of sword play and fighting are so complicated and there's really no way to control them or at least not as much of a way as there is over in westworld so yeah i i think it would absolutely be so terrifying in this because if you thought westworld was bad where you've got these hosts off their loop and going crazy it's like now you've got even you've got these skilled warriors and and these armies of people that you're having to deal with and then someone like lee thinks they know what's up and then everything's happening differently it's yeah like, and it's, they're not even adhering to to the english you know like as we touched on earlier so on top of that not knowing what's going on if you're not lee yeah or, or a host like they're just speaking japanese you have no idea what they're saying and yeah just scary scary yeah. it's you know and i we haven't i don't think we see any other guests or humans in shogun world do we I don't think so. So, I mean, I don't know if, if any of them live to tell the tale. That's the thing. I think that if they were there when everything went crazy, uh, we do see some dead humans in Shogun World, which we'll get to, but uh, we do not see any live guests there. So I don't think they took any prisoners. I, I If there were guests there, they're not there anymore, at least not in this area. Yeah, I wonder how new Shogun World actually is. Like maybe it was something they were, we saw at the end of season 10 with like the Shogun models in the, in the, oh. in the Mesa. Maybe it was a new park. I mean, it's all speculation. I was going to say maybe it's not even open yet, but they know like Lee knows what you know the stories are supposed to be, and that's true. We don't know. That's that's a great question. I don't know if it was. Maybe they were just in the testing phase. So um, we'll see if we see anyone else. But their plan is uh, they uh, Sakura tells a story about where she's from. The you know and and they they say oh we've got to make it to this area. So that's the plan. They sleep on it. Uh, Maeve has some visions, uh, and it you know it's like she's having nightmares, and and uh, the sub titles say dreamlike whispering so yeah. this is a new strange kind of, of thing that we haven't seen before it's not i didn't take this as being memories i took this as mave is somehow connecting to the other hosts in yep. shogun world and seeing what they're doing like like not memories but real time she's like plugging into a surveillance system and seeing different cameras so to speak which are through the eyes of these other warriors yeah i think she's having little flashes of of uh other programming around her so to speak you know because we'll see here in, in this next great action scene with with these with these ninjas that like she uh she kind of taps into like the the infrastructure of uh of these of these hosts and 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 they they quote it as dreamlike whispering throughout the episode because she she just dabs into it and, and she's trying to find trying to find out what that is that, she, that she's that she's experiencing and becomes a whole big thing I think they're trying to make you think that maybe it's a memory or like it's happened before. But I, I, if you really are paying attention and I think that, that what's really going on, like you said, is, is it's real time. It's like she's seeing what is happening at other with other hosts that are around her. And so she's able to wake up and, and uh, yeah, they're attacked by ninjas, like you said. So not only do we have samurai and Ronin warriors, but now we have ninjas like this place is crazy. <laughs> and it, it's, it is a great fight. Uh, you see uh, the Ronin going, going nuts. Uh, you know, Musashi, like you said, he's, he's tearing things up. He, uh, he's an actor that you may have seen before. Uh, he was actually in the Wolverine. Oh, was he? I haven't seen the Wolverine in a long time, but I remember really liking it. He's been in all sorts of shows. He has a lot of acting credits. You've, you've seen him before in other stuff, too. It's not just that, but definitely yeah. the Wolverine. As soon as when I saw him, I'm like, was he in another uh, samurai movie or something? And he actually I believe he was in 47 Ronin, uh, which you know, was just in the last few years. He was in the Wolverine, but you've seen him in all sorts of different stuff. He's been yeah. in stuff where he has shorter hair, where he doesn't look like a, a Ronin warrior. But uh, yeah, uh, he, he was familiar, Lost. and so did the the Shogun uh, 
boss for I guess lack of a better word the shogun captain I guess is what uh is what uh Musashi used to be he looked very familiar I couldn't place him though and I I, I couldn't I tried to look but uh Musashi the Ronin warrior he was in Lost he was a character Dojin and Lost I feel like I should know that yeah, so it's time so you, for a re- rewatch of Lost Man. <laughs> yeah, it's another discussion for another maybe yeah, yeah. century. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> anyway, so you know this guy. But uh, they wake up, they have this big fight. It's a great action sequence. Uh, there's uh, t- talk to me about this foreshadowing of an arrowhead that you saw. Yeah, uh, so during this action sequence, um, a lot of stuff is happening. Lee's getting strangled. Maeve's getting strangled. Um, uh, the Ronin Musashi's out fighting a bunch of ninjas and things are starting to look bad for, for our Westworld crew. And I guess newly uh, Shogun world crew with Musashi being involved, but the three uh, amigos, if you three, will, <laughs> three amigos. And then suddenly there's this, there's this interesting shot of this, of this arrowhead or this, or something that's like this pointed, uh, pointed structure that's nearby. And Maeve taps into this. Uh, I mean, it's just a single shot of this uh, of this arrow. And the next couple of seconds, you can start to put together like, what what's the what's the point of this? Why did they show us that? And then you see you hear about the dreamlike whispering again. And uh, if you're watching with subtitles, at least that's what it's called. But you hear these noises like this. Like Maeve is starting to tap into something, and suddenly she just gets this look in her eye, and the ninja that has his hands around her throat just turns around and impales himself on that on that arrow. And I was like, "Yep, that saw that coming." But like, it was incredible that she, you know, how it happened. Like she just kind of it just clicked, and there it is. Like I'm going to turn around and kill myself. Yeah, I believe what is that Harikari? Right? Uh, I'm not sure. I, that when when a Japanese. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Wikipedia says seppuku, sometimes referred to as harikari, is a form of Japanese oh, ritual suicide by disembowelment. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's on their own free will, though. I think when the, on Maeve like just coerced this ninja into doing it, like like she was in his head, like a Jedi mind trick, basically. Like this is how you're yeah. going to kill yourself. Oh. Well, yeah, I, I know. I just, I think that's, I think that's what it's kind of a, a reference to, though, because oh, okay. it was, it was something that samurai did. It was just one of those things where they, they would kill themselves. They would take their own sword and kill themselves like that. And yeah, stuff. Yeah. But yeah, Maeve clearly was was coercing him into it. But uh, yeah, it was uh, crazy. So we we see something here that we've never seen Maeve do before, uh, and and this is something very similar to what I believe we saw Ford doing in season one, where he wouldn't have to say anything. But Ford was able to control, and I don't know how he did it, which this is the weirdest part, because you would see him point his finger, he would do very small little gestures, but he wouldn't have to say anything, and he could freeze and control hosts. Because he was always a host, Kevin. Well, see, that's, I mean, it, it, it makes you wonder what was going on there, but but uh, this is the closest to that that we've seen, I believe. And so yeah, Maeve is clearly getting some kind of a, a, a wire, a, you know, um, Bluetooth or wireless connection, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Wi-Fi hotspot. Yeah, she's a walking hotspot and, uh, you know, uh, sponsored by T-Mobile, mobile hotspot. Uh, one, of my, uh, one of my favorite Reddit comments after this episode was that uh, I don't remember the user unfortunately so i can't reference it but they said uh 
Maeve went straight from samurai or skipped samurai and went straight to Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Exactly. So, so now she's back to her, her Jedi mind tricks and uh, she doesn't have to say anything. So we're going to see that come into play, obviously throughout the episode. And, uh, and uh, later on, obviously she's going to continue to use this in the series. Yeah. It's quite, the, quite the little trick to have in her, her bag of tricks here. But uh, yeah, she, uh, she finds herself uh, in in this dreamlike thing, like you said. She's able to have this guy kill himself, uh, and then all of a sudden, more people show up, yep. and, and this an army. The whole, the whole army comes into town, and Lee says they they don't ever come into town, yeah. and and so he's very surprised by this. So obviously, again, things are not as he thinks they're going to be. And uh, the Ronin comes out, and he sees the lieutenant, which which used to be his old job, like you mentioned. And uh, you know, he's he's trying to figure out what the next plan will be. And and this is a part that I guess I was a little confused by on my first watch. And even on my second watch, the army attacks them. And it seems like the army has our crew dead to rights. And, and one of the, one of the commanders or one of the people in the army yells because I watched it with subtitles and it's said that uh, Shogun or, or, or someone yells for them to stop and they do. And so are we led to believe at this point that Maeve wirelessly connected to them and they commanded their army to stop from attacking them? I'm not sure. Um, what I took this whole scene as is they were setting up for a distraction, but I didn't really think about the distraction. What what happens after Maeve and Armistice and whoever else was, or not Armistice, uh, Akani and whoever else was escaping from the back, like Musashi and Hector go out there as clearly as a distraction so they can go out the back. But yeah. like, like you said, they're like dead to rights. So they had them, yeah, on the ground. They're like standing above them. I mean, but but then they then the general or lieutenant, someone in there says stop and tells them to stop, and and then you know we're going to cut back to them in the next scene, and they're fine and they're still devising their plan. And so I just thought it was weird yeah. because it, it, it the way that they shot it, this was one of the more confusing things. Where usually it's they're so good about showing showing exactly what they want you to see, but in this part, I'm like, well, wait, how did what? We don't see Maeve controlling anyone. We don't really see any nod to that we just hear one of the army guys say stop and they do and so i was a little confused there but the way i would take it is that she was able to connect to them i guess and tell them to leave them alone yeah i uh, i didn't think about that but that's a good point i'm kind of curious to go back and see uh see what actually happened there i might do that tonight yeah yeah. Um, so back over to uh, the Teddy and Dolores show here. Uh, they're they're walking along and, and they go back to the ranch and, and where they've talked many times before. Uh, and, uh, you know, Dolores says that she wants to see it one last time. And and this is when she gives this whole speech about these cows. And yeah. she talks about uh, the herd. Uh, she remembers when the herd had this blue tongue disease. And, uh, you know, they found out that it was transferred not from animal to animal, but it was the flies carrying them. And she asks Teddy, she said, what would you do in this situation? And he says, oh, I would quarantine them. I would put all the the cows in the barn where the flies can't get to them. And I would let them get better. (laughs) Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it was a great idea. Yeah, and Dolores is like, yeah, my dad killed them all. Yeah, and uh, used their bodies, uh, used their smoking bodies to keep the flies away. And it was just like, like, I understand, like, it was just a clear scene to me that like it was a short scene and you know, it was good character development and kind of foreshadowing what's going to happen because at this very moment it was like, all right, Teddy, um, I don't know if you know it, but the viewers know that you are screwed. 
you you are the cattle with the blue tongue yeah, basically like, <laughs> like it, it's it's very clear this is a metaphor for for teddy and at this point if you already weren't worried i mean we were worried because a couple episodes ago we know that he let that confederado go and dolores right. she was disappointed yeah we've been waiting for the other shoe to drop here and so and just that line at the end of the scene where she goes i'll think about what you oh, said i was like oh god this poor teddy so we know i mean we we know that Teddy says, oh, you've got this this person or this animal that's sick. Oh, let's quarantine him. And she's like, yeah, we're going to put it out of its misery, basically. And, yeah. and so I'll think about what you said clearly is her saying, I'll think about quarantining you or, or sparing you, but I may also burn your body. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, back at Shogun World. So this is where, again, we so we flash back. Everyone's fine. The army is gone. And so uh, clearly they were saved by probably Maeve, but whatever force was at play there. Uh, Lee is trying to convince Maeve to get out of there, though, uh, we find out that uh, the um, the the Clementine, the Shogun Clementine, has been stolen. Sakura, yep, Sakura, and and uh, Maeve wants to save her, and Lee is like, "No, let's just get out of here. Let's let's make a run for Snow Lake, where they're trying to go." And and this is when Maeve has a really good line, and she says that you can't keep get can't keep giving us people to care about and then get mad at us when, when we do. And, and this is where Lee goes, but it's just fucking code. And Maeve says, you're wrong. I'm coded to care about nobody but myself. And yet here I am willing to risk my life for someone else. And so, Lee obviously is realizing at this point that that Maeve has these extra abilities because he's like, you know, I I saw what you did and and you didn't mention a word and and so he's starting to pick up that that uh, you know, Maeve has this ability to control people without any commands and uh so uh meanwhile uh we go to the next scene they get transportation Poor Felix and Sylvester, like they're, you know, I, I felt bad for Lee before, but now like they're the guys that are pulling Lee around in this cart at some point. In the scene. Yeah. Like, like these two, they've got them dressed up like and they still have good lines between them too. I, I think we were already past the part or may, it might've been here actually, but that was very early on where that was when they were first going to Shogun world and Sylvester <laughs> turns to Felix and he's like, say something to them. And he says, I'm, I'm from, from Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. <laughs> like, like, like he's not Japanese. Yeah. But just, uh, they're great. Those two are great. They have great banter. But yeah, these two guys, they're dressed up like like Japanese peasants. You know, I, I feel like they've got like their like a robe on and I don't know if they have the little like domed hat, like the triangle hat on. I feel like like in my head they do. Like they're they're the guys that you would see like pulling around the cart with wheels, like doing manual labor and you know, old yeah, old yeah, movies. Yeah. So they're pulling this cart that that is transporting some of our our crew here. And uh, anyway, the the plan is to go in and infiltrate the uh, Shogun, the leader's camp. And so they're there. Uh, and and uh, they on the way though, we see something that we've never seen before. So we haven't seen we haven't seen a lot of death yet, especially human death in, in Shogun world. And so we see a whole bunch of QA. Uh, I believe they. Lee or someone says, well, there's our rescue cavalry. And, yep. and yeah, there's the cavalry and it's all the QA dead, but they're tied to trees and they have these wooden cages their heads around and, yeah. their heads. Yeah. And so I don't know. I didn't have a chance to look it up. I don't know if you know, it must be something related to the customs yeah. of this Japanese Edo area. That's what I, I um, took it as. I, I didn't do any research either, but just going with the, uh, going with the flow and, and the belief that 
the writers probably did their research and and yeah, this must be something in the in this Edo Edo Japan that they did to to people that they fought. They must have killed them and and who knows what the ritual was for, but all these guys that were pinned up had these boxes around their heads. So very eerie visual, very strange, but uh, also giving our crew less and less hope that like no one else is going to save them. They're going to have to do it for themselves. So they get to the Shogun camp and, uh, Oh, but before they get there, Lee's like, I'm just going to take a moment because he's like trying to, again, all these changes, all this crazy stuff happening. And he, I mean, I feel like he actually had to go pee, yeah, he did. but then he's okay. He, he goes, but then he also sees on one of these bodies that's hanging up. He sees a communications device, like basically a cell phone that, that uh, obviously has some kind of a connection to headquarters or whatnot. Yep. And so while Maeve is turned the other direction, he snags it real quick and she says, are you done? And, and he catches back up, but clearly this is going to come into play. Uh, you know, this is check off smartphone right here. For sure. Yep. Um, something is going to happen here where he's going to communicate or something. And it's, it's not going to be good for, for somebody. So we'll see where that leads. But now we know that Lee has a communications device. Uh, they go into camp and they bring this offering to the leader and it's this gold statue. And they say, Oh, this is the special made thing as an offering. And, and they, they hand it over to the guys there and the soldier hands it to the, the leader and he looks at it, you know, and he seems like, hmm, interesting. And then he just throws it away. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I don't want this crap. And so it was kind of a funny moment where it's like they bring him this offering and he's just like, nope, not interested. Uh, he clearly knows something is up here, you know, and they're up to something. And uh, we see that uh, the soldiers aren't paying any attention where Maeve has said something like, here's this offering. I'm sorry. I haven't, we didn't have time to bring anything for your soldiers and they don't even look at her. And so she tells Lee like, well, they, they're not even paying attention to me. And so we see the main leader ha- is having some issues and they come to find out Lee says, Oh, he's leaking cortical fluid, which we know in the Bernard situation makes the malfunction. Yep. And so they say, oh, he's not off his programming. He's just malfunctioning. And so he obviously, that's no good. He's going to, it's it's not good for them because who knows what this guy will do. But then he ends up saying that he heard about the witchcraft going on. The army reported back to him that she was able to talk and, and, and make them kill themselves and kill each other. And so this was crazy. The moment I was talking about earlier, they lift up their, their hats or headwear or whatever they have on. And you see that their ears have all been cut off. Yeah. Cut like, off and like singed closed. Like, cause even if you, cut yeah. off your ear, you know, you still have that hole there that you can sure. listen through. And so they're all singed shut. And it was just like, <laughs> and as we know, as the viewers though, that like when it comes down to it, it's not a like, Maeve has this ability that she's been popping in and out of, of she doesn't have to say anything. So it's, ultimately sad for for his soldiers that it's yeah. losing your ears is not going to save you if if Maeve can channel into this to this dreamlike yeah. whisper well that's again. that's the question too though is it so new it's like is she has she mastered this yet is she going to be able to use it whenever she wants we still don't know the full extent so i think it leaves some question right. but obviously we know that that is going to come to play and and you know spoilers that is going to happen we've all seen it so uh you're right it's it's nothing that we're too worried about but uh come to find out uh, the leader says that he saw akane dance you know when she was younger and she was one of the best dancers 
and uh, she wants to get Sakura back. And he says, you know, he, he makes a deal with her. He says, well, I want to see you dance. I want to see both of you perform. And so he makes this deal that if, if they both perform, then we're led to believe yeah. that if they both dance, that they will be able to take Sakura back and everyone will live happily ever after. So uh, we will see how that ends up for her in the next scene. <laughs> but uh, meanwhile, back in Westworld, uh, we go back and uh, Angela ha- uh, is here and, and she reports back to Dolores that they she found the people that took Abernathy. She wasn't able to get him back, but she found one of their men. Uh, they reported or they the guy says that uh, they're heading to the Mesa and Dolores uh, says, OK, well, that's that's our goal. That's where we're going to head. But uh, night is coming and she says, let's go find shelter. Dolores takes Teddy back to her old room at the ranch. And uh, she says to him, she says, what you asked today about walking away, making it on her own. Would you want me to say yes, even if I was only going to disappoint you? And Teddy says, I'm not some stranger, Dolores, coming from outside, looking for a pretty lie. I've known you my whole life. Where we go, we go eyes open together. And so it's 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 a nice sentiment that like you're supposed to feel that, you know, Dolores is still going to find this Dolores character, you know, not Wyatt, but Dolores inside of her. And she's, you know, you want this romance to work out because ever since season one, back when we yeah. really loved Dolores, we wanted her to be free and we wanted Teddy to leave. He he, you know, he kept saying someday and, you know, Dolores would lose hope. And it's like, why not today? Why isn't today someday? And uh, yeah. finally, you know, you're like, okay, they're going to be together. And maybe, maybe Dolores isn't going to kill him. Maybe she'll make the right decision. And they end up doing this, you know, love making scene. And it's, I don't know. It wasn't, I, for me, it didn't really work. Like, we we it didn't work because of the timing for me. If this scene would have happened before the last one, when we knew that she was over him, or like you know, like I feel like yeah, I feel like these scenes should have been flipped because well, I I think it all I think they were trying to trick you though. I the only reason why is I think that you're supposed to think oh man she's gonna kill him she's gonna she's gonna take him out and then there's this scene and it's like oh well they're she the Dolores is coming out and their love and they're going to be okay and they're making love like oh it's all right Teddy hooray t- Teddy's saved but I mean I never felt that way really okay well yeah. I mean I never felt that he was saved like I mean maybe that's what they were aiming aiming for but like after the last scene like I was in my head you know it was clear as day yeah, with no the, with the whole cow yeah. speech that like that like she's she's done with him so when this happened I was like why why is I mean oh, poor Teddy she said she'll think about it Brad. Yeah, yeah, I guess. She said she'll think about it. And uh, I guess Teddy didn't have what it took to convince her because <laughs> not long after this scene that uh, she she takes him out to the shed, takes him out to the barn. But uh, anyway, I mean, we'll, we'll get there. That's uh, that's next scene. But uh, flashback to uh, Shogun Camp. Uh, Sakura is all dressed in her ceremonial makeup. And uh, Akane joins her and uh, she she notices something uh, like on her back and on her neck and she she pulls down the top of her robe and we see on her back that they have branded her with this cherry blossom. Like it, I had to rewind this a few times because at first it looked like a branding, but then I'm like, is that a tattoo? But it appeared to be like carved into her skin. Like yeah, that's I, do you? That's why I wrote it as branded or. Okay. Uh, 
I, I guess carving would make more sense, but I, I, I knew it wasn't a tattoo the first right. time I watched I think it. They, exactly. I don't think it's branded. There was there were no scars or anything. I think someone took a blade or a knife or some kind of tool and actually carved into her skin this I mean this <sighs> elaborate, elaborate drawing of, of a or you know, picture of a cherry blossom tree. Uh so um yeah. I'm not gonna and, lie, if it was something that somebody wanted it looked cool <laughs> right <laughs> but poor sakura did not want that so therefore i mean it it was, yeah. it was awful it was awful but i part of me was like that that does look kind of cool <laughs> you Sorry. know i just no no you're you're <laughs> Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I also have to mention, I can't let this slide, that I like that um, when we talked about Teddy and Dolores in the last scene, I called it the lovemaking scene, and Brad's notes say, Dolores and Teddy bang it out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just kept it simple. So. <laughs> I just had to throw that. I couldn't let that one slide either. But anyway, back <laughs> to this. Um, I know, I, I just... <laughs> I couldn't let it go. So uh, anyway, so she's been she's has this elaborate cherry blossom carved. Obviously, you're supposed to feel for her. I mean this this young lady has been through a lot. We already know that she's been rescued, and Akane took her in, and now she's been kidnapped. And you know this poor girl. You're like, oh, I just yeah. hope that she makes it out of this thing. We have this scene that again is starting to feel familiar, and Akane gives her this speech to try to make her feel better, and we find out it's familiar because she's giving her the, you can be anything you want speech that Maeve gave to multiple people in the saloon in season one. And she actually finishes Akani's words. And that's when Akani turns to her and is like, wait, what? And she's starting to have this realization like, Oh yeah, something is up here. Like, now is, you know, when the dreamlike whispering came up again in this scene, was it? I don't remember. Was it over Maeve or over Akani? Because I had this. this Akani. She's. Yeah. Uh, what what I took this as is uh, Maeve is because she sees that Akani is stuck in this loop and and doing the same thing. She is the madam of Shogun World. Yeah. She she wants to free her, and so Maeve starts to to wirelessly program her or give her this yeah, freedom. Okay. But Akani doesn't want it. She she fights it. She says no, and uh, and then Maeve says, "You're right. Some things are too precious to lose, even to be free." And so I think that's a really good line because although Maeve wants to, although we want these hosts, or at least the goal is to make you want them to have freedom and, and to have their own choices and, and their own lives and not be under the control of, of these terrible humans that are just killing them over and over and, and making them do their bidding. You know, we want them to have their freedoms, especially these characters we care about. But also with that, once your eyes are open, like Maeve's, she, life isn't so simple anymore, right? Like right. she, she sees all the terrible things and she's trying to save all these hosts now and get her daughter. And now she has all these responsibilities. And so with this line, she's saying, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's ignorance is bliss and not so many words. It's sure. You know, that's the precious thing that it's like, yes, you're on the script, but you also don't have to see the things that I see. So, uh, you know, she gets it. Maeve gets it. And that's the last that she tries to do that. So here it is, back at the old barn. So so we flash forward, uh, and Dolores uh, takes Teddy out to the barn. She says, I want to show you something. And Teddy's like, what the hell is this? And Dolores says, 
I did see you, Teddy. These past few days, I've seen you so clearly. And what I've seen is you're not going to make it. And, and, and yeah, and this is where Teddy's like, what is this, Dolores? And, and Dolores says, this is what I don't want you to become. There's a swarm descending, just like the blue tongue when I was a girl. And if we're going to survive, some of us will have to burn. Yep. And this is again where it's like, oh, Dolores this season. I mean, Evan Rachel Wood, fantastic actor. Nothing wrong with the performance, but it's like every time I start thinking that we're getting Dolores back, like whether it's the interactions with her father or the really sweet stuff that, you know, their conversation with, with Teddy and it's like, oh, they're going to be together. Maybe Dolores is here to stay and they'll make it happily ever after. And then Dolores is like, yeah, some, some of us are going to have to die. And, and she's saying this to poor Teddy who since season one, it's like, he's just this punching bag that you feel so yeah. bad for. And uh, she has her her uh, Wyatt's army come and and they hold him and and uh, you know at first I I think everyone would think that that they're just going to straight kill him right I mean it's like she says that some of us are going to have to burn and you think that this is the end of Teddy and what ends up happening is she actually has that tech that they've been you know carrying around this season not carrying that's been following <laughs> them around uh, and. Uh, she she brings him in with his tablet, and so we see that they are not going to kill him, but they are going to reprogram him. And the text says, with changes this extreme, without a full reset, I can't guarantee that he'll hold together. And so at first, I thought that she was just going to turn up all his levels, similar to how Maeve has uh, Felix and Sylvester turn up, you know, all the things to ten, like all the, you know, I don't remember all the stats, but but all of them were turned all the way up with with uh, you know the fighting skills and the intelligence and and all that good stuff. Uh, but when we see the tablet, it's different. It's not skills. It's they actually have another it's more like program. Another- yeah, I saw a picture on Reddit on Sunday night, and I wish I would have saved it because it would have been a lot easier to explain now. But um, they took things like empathy and loyalty, and and they and they turned those down and turned uh, like hostility and and uh, I, I can't think of all of them, but see, ruthlessness, I, I, you know. I, 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 I watched it over and over again. I didn't see any of that. What I saw was on the tablet, it said it said that he was a Teddy basic heuristics programming. And I couldn't really tell what they were doing. But see, I was looking for stats to go up and down like that. But what it said was that they were uploading. It said, are you, it says, uh, are you sure you want to overwrite? And it said Teddy basic heuristics. And when I looked up the word heuristics, it, the definition was enabling a person to discover or learn something for themselves, a hands-on or interactive heuristic approach to learning is the example so what it looked like was that they had this program all ready to go like Dolores had had the tech already make this program and what they were doing was uploading this heuristics uh, setting and so what that leads me to believe is is that maybe you're supposed to think that they're going to turn him into some crazy monster type killer character, but maybe what she's doing is she has this programming that is going to awaken him or or open his eyes and let him think for himself. So I I think there, this may be a little of a bait and switch here. Yeah, it it very well could be. I think like with the changes that they made, I think the reason why we end up seeing him on the, in the water and the, in the end of the first episode um, is like the technician said in tonight's episode, like we can make these changes, but without a full override or a full reset, like he might not. I think pieces of Teddy are still going to come out in, in the next five episodes that are going to ultimately get him to where we know that he is at the beginning of the season is, is what I'm trying yeah, to I, I think that as clever as the show is, I think that 
it has to, what it's going to have to come down to is Teddy is going to how somehow override whatever this new programming is. I'm guessing it's going to be to betray Dolores. It's going to come down to something where Teddy yeah. is going to, you know, fight, fight the urge to, to be controlled. He's going to make a decision. And I'm guessing he's probably going to die at Dolores's hands. Yeah. And that's okay. how it's going to end. It, just a, total prediction but i feel like it's heading that way with all the foreshadowing that we're getting so we'll see how that plays out but either way the teddy that we're going to see in the next episode or two is clearly going to be different at least for now so it will be interesting to see what that is is he going to be uh you know a a, a killer uh a, you know a, just a, another gun another one of dolores's or wyatt's soldiers or is he going to be teddy but more enlightened or or is it going to be woke yeah. teddy Let's let's put it that way. So we move back over to Shogun World, and this is where uh, our two uh, dancers are getting ready to perform. We have Sakura and Akane. They're all made up in the ceremonial makeup, and they have the beautiful robes on. And uh, just as they're starting to perform, the leader yells at them to stop. And so this is where you're like, okay, what is this guy going to do? Like, obviously, this is not going to be good, whatever it is. And he walks up to them. And he basically says something is out of place or something's not right here. And uh, he ends up taking his, is it his yeah. sword? And he shoves it right, right through there. the stomach of Sakura. Yeah. And it's like, holy crap. Like we thought that, you know, he wanted to see them both perform. This whole episode but he basically was based around getting her, getting her there and, and, oh, I and know. dancing for him. And then as soon as they're both there, he just decides to go up and stab. Her. Right. And when the, so I don't know if it's part of the narrative or if he's malfunctioning or, or, well, or what, but I was just like, man, what? I, this is the thing in hindsight What you know, that really sucks is that the only reason our whole crew is there is to rescue this girl. Yes. And as soon as they think that they have something to rescue or he kills her, the very person, the only reason that they're there. And I think the reason that he kills her is because he has Akane and, and he wants her, her to dance like like this sakura is supposed to be you know she has this reputation she's this young beautiful woman and everyone wants her and and she comes at a high price as akane said earlier but at the end of the day he has these memories or whatever he thinks he has of akane and now that she's there he doesn't need sakura so it kind of sucks that they're there to rescue her and by showing up there they killed her in you know yeah. in a sense and when lee was telling Dave, you know several hours before like we can just go. I know where to go to get out of here. And Maeve's maternal instincts is like, no, this is like, I'm going to help her save, you know, who she feels like is her child. And like, or because and, she, I don't just, it's, it's Maeve and her daughter, you know, she, she, yeah. he's, which she does have flashbacks throughout this episode, but I don't think we touched on that, but here and there, she's, she's still thinking about her, her daughter and, and she wants to help Akani save Sakura. And, and they get to that point and, she just killed and i was like oh god what a gut punch you know and she also probably still holds some guilt she doesn't flash back to it but probably over clementine yeah for sure because she knows she she knows there's a new clementine and sakura is the the shogun version of clementine and so she knows that she wants to save other hosts like her daughter but i think also she probably feels that guilt where she's been in this position to where she lost her clementine and then you know got replaced with this new one where she's like you know she was she was awakened at that point and knew it wasn't you know something was up here so she's trying to stop that from happening but again in turn she ended up they failed they got a kind of killed uh and so 
this at this point, Akane has no choice but to continue on with the dance by herself. And here we get another great cover. I <laughs> I, I could not place it at first until I looked it up. Me either. But when I heard it, yeah. I'm like, this is awesome. What is this? I know this this beat. I know this. But it was, you know, in, in Japanese, you know, flute and whatever other music they use. Like, it's clearly in the style of Shogun World. But it is Cream by Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, like, it is so cool. This, uh, I mean, again, uh, Ramin Javadi, he is so good at these covers, and I love that he's able to expand what he's been doing because in season one it was all piano covers, but now we've gone to the Raj and we get the Indian covers, and now we're in Shogun World, we get the Japanese covers. It's really neat that that we're able to get all these different kinds of covers in the style of the world that we're living in. But right. uh, she does. Can you imagine like, yeah. ever hearing? Uh, cream by the wu-tang clan being danced to by geisha like, yeah <laughs> like it's just it was incredible it, it is the the imagery i mean this uh the dance this this geisha's dance is 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 beautiful i mean for lack of a better word i mean it's a really neat dance that uh it is obviously this neat traditional type of thing that she's doing uh it's to this music which is fantastic but as soon as she walks up to the leader clearly you know i mean she she's starting to like she has mm-hmm. she has like the I don't, I don't want to say chopsticks, but you know, like the traditional Japanese look where they have the things that going through their hair to hold their hair up and everything. And so she has those in her hair crossed over, but she gets close to him and she starts reaching. So you knew something was going to happen. I thought he was just going to get stabbed in the neck, but little did I oh know she has a hidden knife in one of nope. these things and she saws his head in half. Not like, yeah. not just his face. She doesn't just cut him. She saws his head in half. This yeah, was, she basically when I the way that I saw it or what I think happened yeah. uh, was that like she stabbed him in the cheek like yeah. up by the ear yeah. and then just grinded it oh. through his mouth to the other ear and then he just fell over because half of his head was hanging this off. This is brutal. Just, yeah, half of his head hanging off. And again, it's like we've seen decapitation in these shows. We've seen heads cut off. We've seen scalpings. We have never seen half of someone's head sawed off and then like hanging like it's a like it's some kind of a a container or a basket where the lid flips open like his head is hanging she was like a geisha joker putting a smile on that face oh it was crazy (laughs) so definitely one of the more brutal things we've seen in this show but uh, is there anything been more brutal than that i was just thinking about that before you said like the decapitations and stuff i don't think anything's been sawing sawing someone's head in half again like you know there's usually quick cuts like cutting the head off but this is like this is you know this is some next level stuff so very crazy scene here at this point everyone's looking like oh crap i mean what are they gonna do they're they're not you know they're on the shogun's territory they've got an entire army they can't hear so they don't even know what's going on all they see is that their leader has been brutally murdered and so it's it's intense and uh they end up uh the army comes over the the two guys that we saw without the ears earlier they come over and they're going to behead uh mave and akane and before they do, you know, we get the whispers again and uh, she is able to control them and they start looking at each other and the the soldiers turn on each other. And again, we get another great action scene with, with everyone fighting and, and killing one another. We get like slow motion walking where Maeve is like in the foreground and slow motion, really, really uh, cool shot of the guys fighting each other. The You know, really great shots yeah. in the scene. Uh, love the cinematography. I think one of the and, chief lines that she says that it should be noted was, is that you are a true mother. Cause when she, when she killed the Shogun, yeah. 
and they were about to be beheaded. She goes, "You, Akane, you are a true mother." Uh, right before, yeah, yeah, yep. before all of the the shenanigans after that happens, uh, which it, it's it just goes back to Maeve and the motherhood thing. And and uh, I was talking to a friend on Twitter about it. The going back to the opening credits with the with the mother and the baby, like I I feel like there's still some significance there in regards to where this season is going and the like. She's looking. We know she's looking for her daughter, and and th- that line there really resonated with me at the end. There, like, there, there's something more there that hasn't been uncovered yet that just has me wanting to figure it out. <laughs> if it makes any sense. Yeah, this is this is crazy. But I thought about it because I mean, in this episode, just a couple scenes ago, Dolores and Teddy had sex. You don't think there's any way that a host can get pregnant from another host, can they? Is that like I don't rule anything out with this show anymore. I made that comment in the first episode we did here okay. uh, for spoilers that when when we were kind of dissecting the opening credits for for 20 minutes, one of the chief things was was that that mother with a baby and we, you know, I was wondering can, is it possible they can be advanced so technically advanced that there could be some kind of reproduction eventually. Or if we go down the road, the fact that these are like insurance policies, these hosts of, of recreations of, of people with their consciousness and stuff that having these memories of having a baby, the baby is significant in some way. And I think it ties to Maeve's to Maeve's storyline. Yeah, I think so too. I really, and, and I would like to see it go that route. And, and uh, I think what it's coming down to, and, and this was one of my theories, I think it may have been after episode one, but I, I think there's still a chance that Charlotte Hale could be Maeve's daughter or who Maeve's daughter is based on or something crazy like that. And so if there was a way that, that the hosts can, if if they organically age somehow, or if the children could age, I don't know. And I don't, it, it yeah. sounds crazy at this point, but if something like that were to go down, then I think that could be the bridge to where we see like, you know, Maeve is trying to find her daughter and kind of find out that like, she looks different now. Or what if, what if the daughter, when she finds her has organically aged and she looks like Charlotte, you know, but she's, yeah. she's not her, but that host looks like her. I mean, I don't know. It, it's, it's very far fetched at this point, but, but I do think that the, the mother and daughter, because of the main storyline that Maeve is on, I do think that's more related to Maeve, but I just thought, geez, that Teddy and Dolores just had sex. Like, could it be possible? But no, I, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't rule it out, but I would, I, I would think technically no, like they couldn't. That'd but, be pretty pretty crazy. So uh, we'll yeah. we'll leave that one up to the the writers and and uh, what we see on later in the season. But uh, at this point, uh, this whole army is going on, and and Lee turns to Maeve and says, "Jesus, what do we do now?" Maeve says, "I told you, I found a new voice. Now we use it." And yeah, cut, the, cut black. the black. She's holding a samurai sword with the whole shogun army approaching yeah so i mean it's like i forgot because the first time i watched it i thought oh okay you know they they have this big fight and uh you know they kill these guys they have these guys kill each other and they're out of the woods but i forgot that that second that like the the horns or whatever the signal went off and there's this whole other part of the army coming to the camp to attack and so even though the little the small portion of the army was killed there. They still have this whole other army to deal with and they're not out of the woods yet. So we're going to have to see how they get out of this situation. Yep. I'm looking forward to it, but it'll probably be two weeks with the way the story goes, but I can't complain because next week hopefully is more William and man in black. And that's, that's, I love it. Absolutely. And, and, 
again, I I really I really love the Maeve character, and you know, I used to really be sympathetic with Dolores. Now, of course, she seems like the villain of the story, but um, I like all this stuff, and and there's great writing. Yeah, I mean, sure. we've had a lot of great action this episode, a lot of character development, all really important stuff. I think that the the Delos. William man in black stuff is just so damn intriguing because there's so much mystery to it to where sure there's a little bit of mystery left, but it's more, it's more like, what are they going to do with the Dolores and Maeve stuff where it's like with William and Delos, it's like, what, what are they, what are they try? What is their end game? What is the game that William's playing and, and uh, with consciousness and with Jim Delos and, and uh, you know, why was William trying to do this experiment and was he really trying to help Jim or was he trying to uh, save his, his own self? I mean, I'm starting to believe more and more that, you know, Ford says that, you know, William, this game is for you. And this whole thing is about William now trying to, you know, start at the end and work yourself back or whatever. I'm thinking more and more that this whole thing, this whole narrative by Ford is the interview scene or the the baseline test, whatever we called it from last episode uh, for William. Like, what if William, what if Man in Black is a host and this is his baseline test that he's going through? Huh. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's I've been trying to think about it the last week. And I'm, I, it, I mean, it's possible. I mean, we've seen William grow up or not grow. We haven't seen him grow. Up. We saw a young William. We see that we know that the man in black now is is an older version of william but what's to say that they didn't make a host of him you know to 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 keep keep on living i, I don't know man there's so many possibilities with with the, <laughs> but I, I i know i just i'm trying I'm, that's the intriguing part though is i keep thinking what is william's end game yeah, sure. what is ford's game what is he trying to do who are they trying to smuggle out with abernathy it's so intriguing because the mystery surrounds Delos, William Ford, all that stuff. And then we get the love story with Dolores and Teddy, which is interesting, but you know, poor Teddy, we get Maeve and, and the three amigos and Lee and all that, the funny lines. Like I really want to, in the great action, I want to figure out what's going to happen. I want to see how that story plays out, but there's not as much mystery there. I'm not going like, Oh, what does it all mean? I'm just going like, okay, cool. This is cool. Like what's going to happen next. So like, I think that's, I really love the theories and the speculating and, and trying to solve the puzzle. And that's why we're like, oh yeah, another William episode, we're going to get answers and we're going to, you know, and and I think that's really where you, where the line is. Uh, They're both great for different reasons. Uh, And so I think when it all, when it's all said and done at the end of the season, and especially upon rewatch, once we know where the story goes and, and more questions get answered and, and the mystery aspect kind of winds down a little bit, I think that I think we're going to appreciate these episodes more in hindsight. Yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, I mean, another solid episode. Again, uh, I think I think uh, maybe not as exciting as past episodes, but still there's some great action. We got to see Shogun World. We asked for it. We got it. We saw, uh, you know, maybe not as much as we would have hoped, but we saw some uh, great parallels that they drew between Shogun World and Westworld. Uh, the, the samurai, the ronin, the Shogun fights and the swords and the outfits all were really cool. Um, yeah. I, I definitely am looking forward to seeing more of this uh in at least a couple weeks here when they come back. And, and again, uh, I'm always up for a big, uh, big samurai battle. So hopefully there's for a sure. Cool and it might be next week. I didn't watch the preview and I, I'm pretty sure you probably didn't either. I know no, your I stance didn't. on preview. So it, it could continue into next week, I, but you know, with the pattern that they have so far, it, it, it might just, you know, 
be two weeks from now as well. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll have to see. I might break down and watch that trailer. Or yeah, that trailer. I know <laughs> it's hard not to, but uh, before we re- re- uh, wind things up here for the podcast, uh, we do have a listener email. So we'll move over to the listener mailbag. And this is friend of the show, Linnea Thunzel. Uh, once again, she writes in and says, Hey guys, just had a random thought about episode five. Now that we know the host can speak all the languages present in the parks. Do you think that man in black's daughter, Grace or whatever her name is, is a host because she speaks Emily. the ghost nation language. Uh, that's a really interesting thought. So she's touching on the point that I mentioned earlier that we know now that hosts have all those languages programmed in their code. And, uh, you know, Stubbs, he was surprised when we found out that Emily, who was known only as Grace at that time, but uh, Man in Black's daughter was able to understand and speak the the native tongue uh, for Ghost Nation. Uh, and she wonders if, you know, maybe that's a red herring. Maybe we're supposed to think that, that oh, well, she just spent a lot of time at the park because of her father and right. she's learned the language. But that this is a great point because it kind That's of a really good poll but yeah. but it but it actually kind of plays into my theory my crazy theory i just told you that if this is a baseline test uh for for man in black if he is a host then did they build a host of his daughter to help him along just like just like the <laughs> other hosts help along people you know on their journey and their yeah. discovery uh it's a great question i don't know i mean at this point i I was definitely like in the beginning, I thought she might be a, a surprise host. And then I thought, no, she's human. Yeah. And she's that was really a big the question in that episode, yeah. wh- whether or not she was, because they did the test, but they only tested the man. But then they, they kind of, you know, for me, lead you on the path that, that she, that she was a guest, you know, I, they, I came in on the train today, which you countered with, well, Teddy comes in on the train every day for, mm-hmm. for Westworld. So, uh, you know, there was enough vagueness there that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't hate the idea that she was a host, but like all the, all the evidence that was presented had me leaning toward the fact that she, she was a real person, but that's a great pull from Linnea though, about the knowing the the language of ghost nation, because I wouldn't have even gone back to think of that until, until she mentioned it. So, because that was a major point in the, uh, the episode two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I could definitely see a big reveal where we think and, and William thinks that this is a daughter, but if it does end up he's a host and Ford is trying to make it's trying to free him and make him free thinking the host version of, of man in black, then it's very possible that they would build a host version of his daughter of Emily to, uh, you know, to, to get him to, because she is a huge part of his past. And, and like, like we've speculated, we think that the, the key to, the key to awakening as a host or as a, uh, a hybrid uh, host, you know, uh, is to start at the end and work your way backwards. We see Jim Delos. He finally seems to stabilize once he uh, comes to grips with, with his family dying, the death of his, of his daughter, the death of, I'm sorry, the death of his wife and yeah, the eventual death of his daughter. She, he starts pedaling backwards and that creepy imagery that we get. So we believe that, that, there definitely is a key here to to the host awakening, defining consciousness of them discovering or coming to grips with their past. And so obviously Emily is a huge part of his life and, and uh, obviously his past from the time that she was born to growing up to the age she's supposed to be now. So I, I th- really think there is a chance that, um, you know, it doesn't seem far fetched that she could be a host, but we're just going to have to no. see. Yeah. It's I'm, yeah, <laughs> that's all yeah. I got. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you, Linnea. Uh, uh, we, we, again, always love hearing uh, theories, questions, comments. 
This is great stuff. So please feel free to email us anytime at theshowspoilers at gmail.com. You can direct message us or tweet at us on Twitter at uh, all the spoilers. Uh, of course, uh, you can you can find us on Facebook at the Real Spoilers page, facebook.com slash real spoilers. You can join the Leave Show Shares. You know how to get a hold of us. We make it easy. You know, whatever you want to do, just uh, make sure you get those theories in the discussion. And we love hearing from you. We love uh, having some people to share these thoughts with. And of course, thank you for listening. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, if you uh, if you want to hear a fun uh, discussion over at the Real Spoilers podcast, a couple of new podcasts uh, that we've got over there. We have Life of the Party, which was a real hoot <laughs> to have to review. That's the Melissa McCarthy movie. But uh, coming up, we have Deadpool. Deadpool. We have two big ones in a row. So Deadpool 2 is uh, the new review of the week. And coming up next week is Solo, A Star Wars Story. So uh, a couple of... Really good movie reviews, big summer blockbusters to go over there on Real Spoilers. But uh, that does it for this week. You can follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. Brad, where can they find you? I am also on Twitter at Heineken, H-E-Y-E-N-I-K-I-N, and I am trying to be more active on it for you. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. And of course, check out all our written reviews and uh, all our uh, coverage over on ReviewSTL.com. So uh, thank you again for joining us. So we will look forward to uh, getting back into the uh, William and the Man in Black storyline and hopefully getting some more of these mysteries and uh, our questions answered. So we will talk to you then. Can't wait. See ya. Thanks.